Hello and welcome to Eighth Continent, a podcast about Peace Corps Madagascar. My name is Kristen Day, and I, until recently, I was a health trainee in Peace Corps Madagascar. This is the first episode of Eighth Continent. My hope is to publish one, maybe two episodes a week where every episode is a conversation with somebody involved in Peace Corps Madagascar. As a lot of people may know, or some may not, Peace Corps was evacuated worldwide due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I was a trainee during this time, so I hadn't yet begun my service as a volunteer. Um, in this episode, I was lucky enough to talk to one of my fellow trainees, Mina, about her experience in Madagascar and what life has been like since she's been home. She gave me a lot of wonderful food for thought and was very patient with me as I struggled through a lot of my own thoughts as well. We had this conversation two weeks ago on Easter Sunday, and it was a really nice way to reopen the conversation about Peace Corps, about Madagascar, what we got out of our experience, and our hopes to reinstate in the future. Mina is a wonderfully calming person to be around, and as you'll be able to hear, she has a lot of very wonderful, gentle insights into the world and also into service, and it was a a really amazing opportunity to be able to listen and learn from her. I'm afraid I uh, have a tendency to interrupt people, something that you might hear in this episode, so... Mina, I'm so sorry about that, Um, but I hope that you enjoy this conversation, and without any further ado, here we go. This call is now being recorded. Okay, hi. (laughs) Thanks for calling. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm I'm, um, enjoying the of time out that we're all put in (laughs) yeah I feel similarly in a weird way Mm -hmm. um where are you right now I'm in Tennessee and I am physically in this moment in a really cool Winnebago van next to some beautiful trees outside of my mom's house Oh, I love that. <laughs> mhm. Is her house more rural or is it closer to a city? Well, for this area, it's a little town slash city. Um, but for what I'm used to, which is LA and San Francisco, it's definitely rural. <laughs> and and I I I don't think that I would go back to a city. Um, I kind of felt that before I went to Madagascar, that I was moving into my country roots, back into them. I come from Louisiana, 
and have been um, gone from the country since I was 17. It's been a long time, but it's just time to get out of the city. And so I'm really thankful that I didn't have a house or anything to go back to in the city. Um, and kind of the circumstances with my dad being older and my daughter kind <clears> of <throat> an asthma and all things. I couldn't go back to California to the cities where they were. So life has offered me this opportunity to be here. Yeah. I think it sounds like you're feeling pretty positive even though everything didn't go the way that we had planned maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean it it it's um I think well first off I have to say I'm very lucky and very blessed that I haven't lost anyone to COVID. Um so I'm just speaking from that point of view. Um I think that the the people that I know who have been doing work on being comfortable with that unknown, um, you know, people who have kind of tapped into their adventurous soul uh, aspects of their soul are doing a lot better with the anxiety of having to let go of all the plans and and really not being able to plan because we don't know still at this you know juncture when we can start to um, make decisions about what we want to do next because well nothing's open or offered right now really except online um, kind of offerings but. I think I, again, feel really lucky and blessed that I've been working on being okay with the unknown. And it doesn't mean it's perfect every day or that I'm perfect every day. It doesn't mean that I did, don't want to be in Madagascar and pursuing the plan that I had, you know, nicely laid out before me for the next two years. Um, I was super heartbroken about losing that, especially after the journey of, you know, pretty much eight months it took to get there. Um, but I don't see it as lost. <clears throat> I know that everything that we do in life builds on um, builds on itself, builds on each other. And I'm really just trying to stay in that place of being curious, um, of, you know, noticing, of, of being aware. Um, I got... I've gotten to go deeper with myself and my aloneness, which I love. Um, and, uh, yeah. I don't think that I could have put that any better. I, too, have been kind of embracing uncomfortability as the unknown parts of it and feeling like even though the world is going through something that's unprecedented and I cannot imagine what it's like to be somebody that has COVID or be a friend or a family member, I have felt very grateful that I have had a place to return to and like a really good support network and just tried to sit back and count all of the times that things have worked out for me since I've been back and can break that even though, like you said, this wasn't my plan and I don't know what my plan is in the future. I definitely have felt very, very grateful and um, grateful to Madagascar and also grateful to my family and my friends are making me feel so loved when I came back. Mm. So Wonderful. I'm really curious. Um, 
I feel like we maybe spoke about this before, but why did you join Peace Corps? What was, what were your reasons? Um, it has so many layers, that question and that answer. I'll start with the short. Um, the short is I recognize that the environment needed a lot of help, that we were moving into really serious and dangerous um, ground with the climate change, uh, looking around, again, living in the city, seeing we were losing all of our trees, um, people being so disconnected from our life force, our food source. Um, I was working in, in the retreat business, health retreats, and seeing that people were so disconnected from their values, what they thought was their value system. That was one of my favorite parts of the retreats was helping them refocus that and uh, learn how to make decisions based on their values. And I just came out of one of those retreats and I thought, I can't go backwards from what I'm seeing. I, I have an awareness that we're heading down a really dangerous road and some people are so far from, so disconnected from this reality that they're not going to be the ones to stand up and make a difference. And now I'm aware I can't go back, so I have to be the one. And <laughs> I just knew in that moment that, okay, something different is about to happen. I don't know what it is. And I took it to meditation and, um, it was just super simple. It popped right in my head, Peace Corps. And I said, wow, I, that's really not what I was thinking, but okay. <laughs> and um, I looked it up and saw the agriculture component. And uh, 25 years earlier, I had wanted to go to the Peace Corps. Um, and life just sort of took me in a different direction, or I took myself in a different direction. And um, it, it felt, it just, I knew that that, I was supposed to do that, and so I um, applied, and it was very smooth and simple, very shocking for everyone around me. Um, shocking just because I had the kind of seemingly, you know, good setup in life at that time, um, but um, but not surprising in terms of my spirit, right? Um, it made a lot of sense to people like, oh, yeah, you know, that makes sense, and so kind of a short of it. Yeah. I always think back to when they told us to, like, not have any expectations for our service. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How much I tried to um, embrace that. And when you break to your family or your friends that, you know, I want this change for myself, I want to give back in a way. And um, I think I'm constantly, like, reminded of how much, like, whatever I thought was going to happen is certainly not what happened, um, but that I'm grateful for that, like, emotional journey that I went on to get to the Peace Corps because it certainly wasn't easy. The application process was really reflective for me, helpful, and then when you got the interview, you're doing that, and then you're going through all these clearance processes, by the time you get there, you're like, oh, I feel like I aged 20 years, you know? <laughs> yeah, <I do. laughs> um, and in a weird way, evacuations freed me from all of that. Kim, I was talking to her, and she had a friend who 
with telling her that maybe it wasn't, maybe this particular journey wasn't so much about serving two years in Peace Corps, even though, of course, that's certainly what we all wanted, but it was that getting there and the realizations that you go through to get there, the experience and the people that you meet and the cultural understanding that you gain, even in three weeks, which is a blink of the eye compared to what I think most Peace Corps volunteers experience. It was still a very healing process for me in a weird way, even though evacuation was certainly very difficult. I think when all that dust settled and I got back, I was like, I think I'm okay right now. And I I think that I will be okay in a weird way that I never felt confident about myself before, like before I left. But like being back, I think I saw that I can do things that's on my mind too and that I want help. I want to be a part of positive change. And that was really cool for me to reflect on. And I feel like hearing you talk about it is really healing as well because knowing that you're bringing something positive out of an experience that was just really chaotic. Um, Mm -hmm. It's nice to hear. Well, I think the story uh, you just pointed to that Kim was talking about is really symbolic because what we're used to doing in America certainly is connecting to the outcome. So we create a goal and then we want to see it through to this outcome because by the time we're supposed to have that outcome, somehow the goal, uh, we've already created another goal on the other side of that goal. Yeah. And and so we never really get to enjoy, you know, the moment of um, what's that journey. And I know it sounds so cliche, but um, I think that's what we had to embrace in getting ready for the Peace Corps. We had no idea what was going to be, you know, at the end of that journey or even in the middle, to be honest. We had some, some idea, um, but we had a lot of preparation to go through and a lot of um, – releasing of our current lives and and there's not a lot of opportunities that are like that I mean when you take a new job you usually stay in your house right or maybe you move to another house but you know you're still maybe in America or you're still in your same you know um, state or what have you but we had a lot of changes to sort of endure just to get to the thing that we weren't even really sure about anyway and all of that process is very similar to what the big picture of life is we really don't know the end. I mean, that's why we're living life. It's a story. We turn the pages of the book. We don't go to the end and say, oh, here's the ending, you know, and then go back and read it. <laughs> so I think this was a, a great exercise, um, a very intense exercise that prepared us for this exercise that now the whole world is in of sort of letting go of the plan and the goal and the time frames and you know, creating the next thing after that, because we don't know what the next thing is after that. And um, in reality, we really don't. We really don't know when we're going to die. We don't know, you know, when our family or friends are. We don't know when we're going to lose a job or, you know, break, have a breakup or a divorce or whatever. So um, it's really a beautiful exercise that we had. We were very lucky in a way to have practiced that before, getting to this point with everybody in the world and um, now we're all doing it together and um, again I don't want to discount people going through really 
traumatic, serious um, events right now. You know, even if it's besides death, there's like living hand to mouth and, um, you know, not having enough food, not being able to pay a mortgage not or an apartment rent, um, you know, and on and on. So, um, and again, I think that's what life is. It's just being concentrated right now for some reason. Um, and if we really work together, um, and those of us who have applied for the Peace Corps, I think we're already in kind of that adventure spirit right now. Um, I think most of us, from what I've seen and heard, uh, are really interested in continuing to serve people, serve the environment, and help. And so maybe we're going to get shifted into places that, you know, really <clears throat> need us more for the moment. I don't know. But, but I feel open to that. I'm ready for the call. That's amazing. I feel like you have a way of pointing all of the things that are in my brain that I can't actually put into words or like eloquently, but I agree with all the things that you said, even though I could never say them as wonderfully as you just did. Um, well, I know that about you, so I can testify <laughs> here that that is your spirit. <laughs> and that is you. That's how you show up. You're always there for people. And anything that you've learned, you always want to give back and like share it with other people, which I think so beautiful. Um, it's really important that we uh, share, not try to hold on and compete and, uh, you know, be isolated members of a society. It's a time to be, you know, interconnected, which we are in reality anyway. So it's time to, you know, behave that way. And um, and you're beautiful. You're beautiful. To, to pivot from that, I am really interested in what your experience in Madagascar was like because, Obviously, it's um, it's a culture, it's a country, it's a people that welcomed us so fully, and a place that I know that I would love to return to. So, if you are comfortable sharing, you know, I'm, I would love to know kind of what your um, experiences were there with your host family and being a part of the Family Friends Peace Corps and your training experience, and if you have any stories or just general experiences sure. you want to share. Sure. Um, gosh, so many things flooded into my mind. Where do I start? <laughs> um, I'll start from the beginning. I think just being picked up from the airport in the in the van, going to um, you know heading on that journey to Peace Corps Training Center, I felt this huge exhale. Like, oh, I finally am out of the rat race and can um, enjoy this journey this unknown, you know, and um, the kind of the pressures of, like, bills and, you know, overhead and um, family obligations and friend obligations, just everything was, was gone. And, um, and I really felt that in that moment. Whoa, I'm here on this adventure, on this journey, and it's, Super exciting, and I I I think that um, being at PCTC at the Peace Corps Training Center, um, it was difficult in some ways for me because I think over time people, um, you know, just sharing that I have a daughter who's twenty, you know, over time people got to know like my age and it, and you know, differences mentally separate people 
um, not that we are separated, but I think because people will project an idea about something, like let's say if you see someone with a disability or you know someone with a disease or what have you, you project you know maybe what you know or what you've heard, uh, what you've experienced, but you're not necessarily present with that entity. And so I felt a little bit of that come in between um, my trying to have a, a present relationship with people. Um, and that was interesting to sort out for me. Um, when I went with the family, it was actually the opposite. Um, and I think because they do respect older people, um, and I'll just say so that people who are listening can know, but I'm 45, and I look a little younger, and I think they were, they respect For the record, she looks a lot younger. Um, <laughs> just for the <laughs> official <you>. record. <laughs> and so I think, you know, that there was a care, there was a, um, a caretaking and, and respect um, attitude given toward me by my family. Like, you know, she, my mother made sure to like boil my water and she, she wanted to teach me things like doing my laundry, but she also kind of wanted to do them for me. And it could have just been her. Maybe she's like that with every um, person that they host. I don't know. But, but I felt very bonded with them. They had a lot of family things that happened while I was there in that short time, some deaths and, and whatnot. And, um, we we talked about everything. They were very open with me. I was very open with them, and as much as we could in our, you know, my broken Malagasy, um, they were very patient, and and I felt super bonded very quickly, um, and very heartbroken to leave them so fast. Um, I think all of the kind of preconceived notions that I even myself carry around, that I carried around about Madagascar were accurate. I mean, the people were very warm and very friendly, and um, the, the, the land itself was beautiful. The countryside was beautiful. The weather was amazing where we were anyway in that time of year. It was just great. And, and so I, again, just felt sort of like I was in this surreal dream, you know, of like, um, yeah. I had this responsibility, but it was a responsibility that felt so connected with my value system. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we were in, we were in this state of still learning um, and you know having some application, and it 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 felt really like um, wow, I'm living my dream. Um, which of course made the leaving all that much harder and heartbreaking. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I want to finish that those thoughts with threading the beginning of what I said about the age and the people, um, the Americans. I'd say, you know, when I came back, when we were evacuated and I came back and I was in um, New York in West Hamptons in a bed and breakfast for the two weeks, so um, self-quarantine. I had this, uh, you know, like our learn, our growth never ends, right? And I had this real deepening of understanding parts of myself that were getting shut off 
that I had wanted to be for so long, but I wasn't there yet. Meaning parts that were sort of um, false facade or masks um, that were a little harder to let go of or get rid of or, you know, there were kind of crutches in covering some of my vulnerability. And um, just to make it more tangible, I got to a place where I have, I felt like, you know, if playing my piano, my roll-up piano and um, writing and listening to classical music is my thing, like that could be my thing wherever I am. And I don't need to try to find something that connects me with people that feel in that moment, they're not sure if they connect with me. At some point in time, if they do, it will happen, you know? I don't have to um, create a false bridge, like the bridge will appear. And I, I just felt really grateful for having experienced that. And it, and it came out of this whole thing of being together and then being evacuated and being alone. And, you know, typically, again, as I mentioned, I've had a lot of family or friends or people kind of around or relying on me. <clears throat> and it was so nice to just be alone and say, like, wow, you know, I really like myself. <laughs> I'm really good with this. It's good. I mean, in a, in a deeper way, you know, than I kind of had ever experienced before. And I just felt like if I end up back in Madagascar again, I'm so glad that I have that um, person to bring back there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the letting things fall where they may, especially with relationships, it was really the hardest challenge I had that I didn't expect was navigating our stash and just meeting everybody and trying to figure out where was I at, you know, who I connected with. And it did feel a little bit relieving to go to a host family that just loved me. Even in their notes, they were like, we hope that you're loving because we will love you. You are, you will be a part of our family. And Sort of experiencing that was really healing for me because I didn't grow up with two parents and my whole family was just two parents and um, their children were grown and they had moved away and they had grandkids and so I was like a surrogate daughter to them mm. and I felt really grateful for that experience just to have two people at home. It was, it was nice. It felt like my host mom was just like super loving and wanted to include me in everything. And then my host dad was just really cool and we just went to go outside of class because we didn't really know what each other was saying. And that was nice because I, I, I got a little taste at like normalcy of being a kid or like being somebody with two parents. And that was really, really cool for me. And that actually helped me relate more to the people in my stage after that because I felt like. I found a safe place, and not that I was like ever felt like unsafe or threatened. I just I'm really introverted, so it's hard for me to open up to people. Mm -hmm. At first, it takes me like a long time, and when I got with my host family, I, then I started making like connections with people, and I started understanding and listening more. Um, and then, so to be pulled out of that obviously was super emotionally confusing and. I felt bad because my host family was so confused and I didn't know how to explain mm -hmm. it to them. But I do feel like 
bonded to them because even though it was a really short amount of time that I lived with them, I will always be grateful for how safe they made me feel, how much um, they tried to teach me and how much they did teach me in like such a short period of time. And it was the coolest two weeks ever. Mm -hmm. I concur. I mean, think about, you know, growing up with the idea of having the home with two parents and the family around, you know, and community helping each other. I mean, we, at least for me, I grew up with that image as being what life was supposed to be, but then life wasn't like that. (laughs) And, And I think, and I think those of us who don't have that life really mourn it. We've, you know, have, there's like trauma around that. Right. And we, we, go into our lives stronger and resilient and uh, more open, usually more open-minded um, because we have these differences. But to experience that, to have that for however short, you know, but to feel that it's authentic is super healing. I mean, very healing to know like, wow, this is kind of what that um, dream I have known about and heard about and kind of wish that I had, here it is. This is what it feels like. And, like, my heart is full and happy, and it does work. Just that, that idea, that ideal is actually in action in Madagascar. And yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's a daily action, and those are all just things that happened to happen to me in, the, in my time in Peace Corps, and they're certainly not things that I was chasing or expecting, but one of the reasons that, and I I don't, not every day is like a good day, and I'm certainly not happy with the fact that I had to be evacuated, but I recognize the reality that people are very sick, people are dying, and I'm not going to frame this pandemic around myself or feel bad for what happened to me because I'm, I'm lucky and I'm very privileged and one of the things that I felt really grateful for was that my whole time in Madagascar was so positive that I don't have I don't have like anything to be sad about or to be um, upset about except for the fact that I wish that it could be longer but Mm -hmm. even that it was like two weeks was like amazing um not ideal but like life is not ideal and I don't know I don't I I'm just really grateful to them and I'm I'm still in contact with them which is really nice I'm able to like email their daughter and they email me back and we're like working mm. through like the language and stuff um and so that's been nice to continue to have that connection I don't that's know if wonderful. you're able to be in communication with your family but um, I think that the my dad might be on Facebook. Um, I I haven't reached out to find him because I, I I'm in a weird place about it all. I I'm just very um, still in the unknown, and I don't know. It, I, I guess. Maybe it just would be, I don't know, 
when I when I know it's time for something, then I'll do it. And it hasn't been time yet <laughs> to reach out. If that yeah. makes any sense. Um, I don't. I guess maybe like having more answers would bring it to a better place for me to communicate at that time, or or maybe not. Maybe sooner than that, I'll say, oh, time to let them know, like I'm okay and find out if they are. And but it was such a heartbreaking goodbye. It's I, I I'm. I guess I'm not ready to walk into that again. Um, yeah, I mean, even making plans for my future here, as we talked about, it's really kind of hard to do because everything is so up in the air in terms of are we going back to Madagascar if we can, when is that, is that too long, is it short enough, um, you know, or do I start a schooling program, well, is that program going to be cut into the time that I could go back to Madagascar. I mean, there's so many, you know, un- questions yeah. and um, and just having, like, my mom and her friend, they were asking me um, the other day some questions around, like, um, school and work and and so forth, and I said, I can tell you what I feel about all those things and what I think about them. And just know that I don't, I haven't let go of Madagascar yet. Like, I don't know that answer. It could completely be a no, or it can completely be a yes. (laughs) And I said, and I'm, and I'm so sorry, but that, that is where I am with that. And, um, and I can't, you know, make it one, one way or the other right now. So anything that I tell you about any other things that you're asking me are contingent upon that answer or they're not or it's not or something else happens outside of the Madagascar thing and then that becomes you know what everything else is contingent upon even Madagascar and the Peace Corps but at this point I'm just in a place that yeah that I clearly there's not enough information that um anywhere in my life like it could be maybe not from the Peace Corps maybe it's some other information but I'm definitely in a space where I don't have the answer. So I just have to be okay with that. I think that's part of the resiliency that they were talking about is being okay with having no real solid idea of what's possible yet. I want to go back. I want to reinstate. But there are realities in life, bills and food and jobs and your family and your partnerships and it's even though it's only been three weeks since we have been home two of those weeks were in quarantine and that felt like a weird fever dream for me like it didn't even count and then I've I've been back here with my partner living in my house but thankfully like I'm still able to live here and have like a home to come back to and I have no clue what my next plan is I feel like my brain's telling me I need a plan and like my my like the rest of me is saying slow down you don't you can take right. some time right and again that's the lesson that the whole world is getting right now which is yes. so beautiful for us that's all happening together I mean we all have to slow down we, we but have a unfortunately For so many people, it's not 
they don't have places to land in. They don't have those securities. And big thing that's become apparent to me as I've been back is of how many people are really struggling, you know, with rent, with bills, with jobs. Had I stayed, had I not been here, um, sorry, had I not been in Madagascar, like, I worked in the service industry and all of my friends lost their jobs overnight, you know, pretty much. And um, that's, like, such a vulnerable place because before I went into Peacock, I lived paycheck to paycheck. There were no savings, you know. So in a weird way, Peace Corps deciding to give us that money, even though we hadn't technically served out the time yet, um, was my saving grace because I didn't have, you know, I would not have had any money to pay my bills had I lost my job. It just felt like this little, like, shortcut loop somehow that I took mm-hmm. to, like, being okay. And I don't know how it happened. Well, it's almost like we got rewarded for the risk we took to align with our values. You know, we're like, hey, no, we're going to do this do this thing that sounds crazy to everybody. And then in the end, it paid off. Of course, we didn't know it was going to pay off like that. But, no. you know, thank, thank God it did. And um, it, it just brings, it brings us back to looking at the way we're living in America. You know, so many people are struggling and, um, we don't really have systems set up to help us through things like this. None. Then, then why are we set up like this, right? Yeah. Like this is and, – and I think most people know that. It's why why aren't – if it's most people, why aren't we all banding together and changing the system? Again, we've become so disconnected from our, the reality of, of kind of using our systems to make them work for us. And using the government is supposed to be for us. Um, we kind of let people who are, you know, have more resources or bigger players um, kind of take over the playground, and we're going to be left on the sidelines, if, and lots of people will be left on the sidelines if we don't um, get out there and play and help. And um, I just hope that this situation, the pandemic, really um, shifts people enough to the core to step up and be players in the arena that they feel that they can in some way. And maybe it takes more learning and maybe it takes more focus and attention, but, like, if it's something that really spurs out of what they believe in, you know, everything will come to assist and aid in that in that purpose. All you need is to be willing. All you yeah. need is to be to say, yes, I'm going to do it. You know, I can, and maybe no one else will, so I will. Um, and the more of us that do that, the more we'll kind of be in the places like the puzzles, puzzle pieces sort of starting to fit together, you know, and then you see the little picture of the puzzle. Um, and that's my very, very idealistic um, hope for this time. <laughs> I mean, I, I think in a time like this, it's better to have hope than yeah. just sort of give give up. And I, I don't mean to say that paternalize like anybody that is really, truly struggling right now. But I do feel energized to sort of uh, 
re-engage in problems here, like locally? I remember having a moment in Madagascar where I was thinking, this is so wild. I had to move all the way across the world, like to the furthest place I could from California, <laughs> to make a garden and feel like I'm in a community. And it would have been so much easier, like, just at home where I had running water and you know, <laughs> all of these yeah. resources and amenities. But that's what it took, you know, for some reason that's what it took. <laughs> it's a numbing lifestyle sometimes because it, it is, like you said, goal-oriented. You just have to be right where you are right now. And not that planning ahead is bad, I definitely got really carried away in my head with where my life was going to go in the next 10 years. I've definitely taken a step back. And if it, that doesn't happen, are you okay with yourself? Yeah. And I think it's good to ask it the other way, too. You know, if those goals, those many goals that your mind creates for you, you know, if you actually accomplish all of them, you get to the other side, there's always going to be another 10 on the other side. But, you know, the horizon never ends. Um, <laughs> but are you happy with yourself there, too? You know, sometimes I don't think we stop to think about that. Like, we can think about what the goal is going to bring, but it's a little more difficult when we're younger to think about, well, what is the, what what's the um, sacrifice? Like, what am I sacrificing to accomplish that? Because everything has a, I mean, you know, put it in quotes, a sacrifice. But, you know, you go one way, you're losing another way. So um, really thinking about who is that person that I'm trying to create and is that really me and, you know, what I, what I want with that to keep those yeah. aspects of myself or am I sacrificing the best part of me, you know, to do that and be that thing that I think is, maybe revered or what other people want or what feels secure, which is a big one, I think, for America is we create, and this pandemic just shows it's not true. We create all of these um, false securities, you know, uh, paddings around us to feel like we have, you know, like we're, we're, uh, we've projected into the future what we're going to need and we have it all have, you know, garages full of things and got Amazon to send everything to us and blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, well, right now, all we really need is to have some, you know, companionship, uh, some food, um, health, you know, love. You want to have, like, all the good, good and important things and all those other things, you know, don't matter quite as much. And, of course, we want to have shelter. But again, it's just—it's so interesting to be in this time com compared to having just been in Madagascar, and you see that it doesn't have to be the way we push ourselves for it to be here in America. They have shelter, they have food, they have each other—you know, the important things—and they are right there to help each other through anything um, that comes up. And it's just such a beautiful lesson. Yeah. And thank you again. Like, I feel like I never thought of it that way. I never stopped to be like, oh, what happens if I 
achieve all of the like things that are on my list what does that you know what does that really mean and i i guess i haven't i haven't even really begun to process through all of that but i don't think that i have to right away either i'm just sort of still trying to you know what they were like lean into being uncomfortable and i'm like okay i'm leaning in like <laughs> I'm here. What's next? And they're like, oh, you're not one star anymore. <laughs> I'm here in life. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, education is really important because if you find, like, hey, I love helping people in, in this specific way and, you know, getting a master's degree in social work it would, would um, facilitate my helping in a much, uh, you know, deeper, bigger, whatever the word is, way, then that's amazing. That's aligned with your values. You see that it's connected to where you are right now, where you want to go, what you want, you know. Um, yeah. But also rushing, I don't think we ever really have to rush. I think that's a lie. I really do. I think um, we are nature, we're part of nature. You watch nature, nature. it's not rushing, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, there's, there's a, um, there's a, a speed, a momentum, a rhythm, and sometimes the rhythm, you know, goes faster because there's a faster momentum, and sometimes it's slow. There's an ebb, an ebb and flow, and and if we're connected with ourselves, we can feel all that. And I, um, <clears throat> I think when we when we're rushing something or pushing something is another word for it, it's go, trying to satisfy that uncomfortable fear in our mind wants again to have that security you know the the ego just wants to know i need to know i need to know that i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing so that i can be okay and it's um like yeah you're you're okay look you're just sitting here everything's fine (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) and if you really want want it to be be more than that but it's like right um, that's what it is like but sometimes you just have to wait for it to be more than that. You know, you have to yeah. look and see and stay open-minded and stay curious and aware. And it's so counterintuitive because it means you have to be out of your head and out of that whole thought process, you know, kind of balance that. And that's why meditation is so awesome for me because I can be in my head constantly and solve everything in the way that my head thinks it can solve everything, Right. And then I go down those paths and I go, oh, my God, that was so much work. And why did I do all that anyway? <laughs> you know, but if, um, <laughs> if I just breathe and like go, wait a minute, I'm going to be in this moment because I created myself to be in this moment. So I'm here right now. So let me just be here and let it go slower. Like I'm going to go with the rhythm of what's going on now and trust that I'm going to have really big, feeling inside when it's time to make another decision or uh, to, you know, pounce on something, to let the momentum go faster, I'll know. But I'm not going to do it just to do it. Yeah. And that's back to, you know, back to really practicing that in the Peace Corps. Because in Madagascar, right, Mura Mura, it's like slowly, slowly, and everything changed every day. And how many times a day did it change? It was like, okay, we're, we're supposed to walk to the agriculture tech building. Oh, no, wait. 
That was wrong. We're supposed to walk to the health tech building. Okay, well, the bus should be coming then. Okay, the bus didn't come. That means we must be walking. Okay, we're going to walk. Okay, we got there. No, you were really supposed to be over there. And it was like every day there were all these changes, and and nobody, like, stressed about it. I thought it was so yeah. wonderful. We were all just like, oh, okay, well, we're going to do that then. You know, oh, we're not doing that? Okay, well, we're going to do that. And we may have had, you know, we all might have had our little – verbal bubbles about it all and so forth but it was sort of we just sort of went with it we would like that you know river like we hit the river rock now we got to go the other way we hit the other bank now we can go the other way <laughs> and, and it all worked that was what was funny nobody you know none of the Mount Cassie people like freaked out ever we we're just like oh well we're sorry to say there's not going to be a bus today so you'll have to walk and we'll see you there and we're like oh yeah okay like, okay <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine here people how they would react? No, you <laughs> see a mass breakdown. <laughs> yeah, mm. I remember my host family. They they had a car, and they were um, always so generous because they were like, "We can take you." And I like, I think they were really excited to just drive. And, you know, it's like Montessori is like not like a huge town. So it was, it, I felt really flattered. So I was like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, up, I'll walk. And I really liked the long walk because for the one day that I had my <laughs> dialect class, I was going to be in the ag village. So I was, oh, I'm going to get all my steps in. And I remember trying to explain the concept of steps to my host family. And they thought that I was absolutely <laughs> They were worried about me. They were like, why do you care about steps? And I was like, no, in the U.S., it's like a thing, right? We got to get our steps in. And they were just like, no, that's not a thing. Try again. And I was like, oh, God, is this what I'm valuing? You know, like my, like, workout steps. And they definitely were seeing their responses make me step back and be like, okay, like, maybe that's a weird thing. And that, I get it in the context of this culture. but them just looking at me sadly like if that's what you want <laughs> there's an easier way and I was like dang it <laughs> well <laughs> no, I'd rather walk but <laughs> their lives are so integrated that they get the exercise they need they don't have to count you know <laughs> they're walking to their gardens and they're walking to work they walk to school I mean my little brother my little Malagasy brother he was seven and he walked 45 minutes to school every day mm -hmm. by himself and then back 45 minutes another you know 40 to 45 minutes and that that is that's just part of it's integrated in their life they don't have to count it they know they're going to get enough you know it's like why do we have to have a gym we're already carrying you know pig feed and animals and you know what else like it's all integrated and not you know disconnected yeah or compartmentalized yeah and I, I don't think that was, like, more highlighted than, like, me pulling out my iPhone trying to explain the, like, health app. And they are just like, <laughs> we have, like, a blood pressure machine if you, like, need to take your blood pressure. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not what I meant. I just, like, had totally different, like, values for, like, what health meant. And it really, like, tickled them, um, I think, and, like, definitely made me – sort of reevaluate like what I was personally getting out of 
Peace Corps training. Before we we wrap, because I think you're at a, you're doing an hour, right? We're doing an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I want to know what was your site that you were going to go to? Where was it? What oh, area? Not okay. um, So my site was it was um in the deep south, so it was going to be Great. a fly site. My dialect was Antonushi, and I think the region was called Anushi. And my mm-hmm. site was called Swanyarana. So it was um, five miles from the East Coast in the deep south. It was like five miles from um, Fort Dauphin. And, yeah, Swanyarana. And so it was we, – um, We were both in Anushi because I was uh, east, southeast. Yeah. So we both would have been um, – Neighbors. In – and you know, I was just thinking from your health conversation. I mean, we were going to be in new sites where no one had been before, no other Peace Corps volunteer, and really in an area that is the poorest. Um, and that was really exciting. I felt really honored to um, be able to to go to such an area. How about you? What did you feel about it? I felt excited and, and really grateful because. Uh, Shuvan, who was our, like, housing director, like, mm-hmm. not just for our sites, but also for our homestay, um, I feel like he really became a friend of mine, and my site was uh, his hometown, and I, his, his family, and he had rebuilt his parents' house for me to live in. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah, so I felt, like, uh, super, like, Wow. grateful and like humbled to be like trusted with that and like also trusted with um being like a, a a volunteer in a new sector and like a newer area for like the Peace Corps program I feel like they gave me a lot of trust and mm-hmm. a lot of confidence and I was so excited and I think that's why I do feel like I want to go back is because um it's definitely like an unresolved thing for me. I was just excited. I was just excited to meet people. I was excited to learn. I feel like I'm in a, a really strong learning phase of my life, um, one that's not, like, dictated by, like, an institution or, like, a certificate, but one that's more, like, uh, listening and um, becoming uh, part of, like, a, a new community. And I still feel like I would like to do that. So. I really hope that if we are able to go back, I, I would be able to still go there because I was mm-hmm. so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're your first preference if you go back. So, I'm sure <laughs> <still> yours. <laughs> um, what was your site called? Ranu Pisu, uh, which means water cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was in uh, Anushi also. And, uh, you know, Fort Dauphin would have been my um, banking town as well. Um, so we would, yeah, we'd be, uh, however far, we would still be closer to one another than to, to others. Um, I think yeah. our regions were, were in this, I think we were right right next to each other. Yeah, um, we were. And shout out to Michelle and Kevin who are going to be our region mates. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. You were going to possibly be in my actual town, but they hadn't finished the housing yet. That's exactly Dang. right. 
That's right. They wanted a health person. Yeah. So, you know, we have that to look forward to possibly. So, um, well, before we wrap up, is there um, anything that you'd like to say that you didn't get to say or that you'd like to touch on? Hmm. Um, I just am grateful for all the people that we went with um, and the bond that we uh, that we have just because it was such a special and unique circumstance. Um, and I, I don't know what's going to happen with everybody, but I, I look forward to seeing how it unfolds and, and definitely connecting back with everyone if we can at some point when we're all making decisions. Um, you know, once we do know what's going on with Peace Corps, it'd be nice to, to confer with everyone and just check in. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I really appreciate it, and thank you for continuing to teach me, even though we are not in Madagascar any longer. Um, thank you so yeah. much for having me, and I loved connecting with you, and um, we'll stay in touch. Okay. All right. Have a great day, and happy Easter. Happy Easter. New beginning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. That concludes our first episode for Ace Continent. Once again, thank you to Mina for taking the time to speak with me. And I hope that everybody enjoyed listening. And have a wonderful day.